The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thank you for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. I think you're going to enjoy the show. Uh, two excellent guests. We're going to start with Jim Moldahill, who's currently the Director of Media and Industry Relations with the National Thoroughbred Racing Association. You may know them better as the NTRA. He's been with them since uh, 2009. Um, he was uh, the racing manager at the fairgrounds. Uh, he's uh, oh, Actually, he's been at this position since 2014. He was at the fairgrounds in 2009. Uh, we're going to talk to him about his different experiences in horse racing and the new website that is uh, put out by the by the NTRA, which you'll find uh, very interesting in America's Best Racing. They have some good stuff up there today. Um, our second segment, uh, Michael Bachak, who's been a regular on the show. As you know, he was one of the starring players in the Esquire TV show Horse Players last season. And he also won the million-dollar first-place prize and title of the 2012 Daily Racing Form National Thoroughbred Racing Association Handicapper. And uh, he's going to join me for this uh, week of uh, brotherly love racing at Parks Racing. Of course, uh, California Chrome, after a uh, long layoff, comes back to uh, prove that he's the top three-year-old in the country. He's got plenty of competition in there. And then the million-dollar cotillion, the grade one that has uh, drawn unquestionably the top Philly three-year-old untappable. But I'll tell you what, there's some new shooters in that race. I'll be interesting in listening to Michael's read on that. And then also from Parks Racing, they have a grade three, the gallant Bob, a six-furlong sprint. And didn't want to leave your New Yorkers out of the mix. There's the gallant Bloom at six-and-a-half furlongs. That's a grade two race. So, again, uh, top handicapper Michael Baychak will be with us for that. And just before that, we'll be talking with Jim Mulvihill. And then, of course, we will review all the great races uh, that took place at Kentucky Downs. I want to thank Gary West again for being on with us. I always enjoy uh, listening to Gary, reading his writing, and watching his presentations on, on, on television. So uh, we'll cover Kentucky Downs as we get into the results part. But right now, I got a headline that I was just so happy to see. And it's that the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters will honor Art Sherman, Cott Campbell, Charles C. Canney, and drumroll, Tom Lamara. If you're a listener to this show on a regular basis, you know that Tom has been on probably as much as any guest that I've had. He is just a super, super person, and I'm just so glad uh, that he's going to be uh, honored with this award just prior to the uh, 
Breeders' Cup. It's the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters Award. Now, uh, Art Sherman will get the Mr. Fitz Award, named for the legendary trainer, Sonny Jim Fitzsimmons. Cott Campbell will get the Joe Palmer Award for notorious service to racing. And this time, it's only the second annual Jim McKay Award for Broadcasting Excellence. And that's going to somebody we haven't seen for a while, Charles C. Canny. As you may recall, she was the former exercise rider for Ruffin, and she ranks as one of the most influential racing broadcasters of all time. Uh, she's worked for all three networks and ESPN. Now, uh, Tom... Lamara, he's going to have the Walter Haight Award given to him, named for the former Washington Post turf writer and columnist for excellence in turf writing. Uh, he's been in turf writing since 1993, working for the Daily Racing Forum, the Thoroughbred Times. Uh, then luckily he got out with the Blood Horse in 1998, where he's now the news editor. And Tom is regarded as one of the sport's most knowledgeable writers, and I'm so glad that uh, he's getting this national award. Um, the award winners were selected by members of the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters. Again, uh, the dinner will be held near Santa Anita, site of the Breeders' Cup. Well, I had a great personal experience this week, a very uplifting story I need to share with you briefly. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the name of jockey Richard Gilliard. Perhaps not, unless you're a big fan of quarter horse racing. Well, uh, I got a chance to meet him this week. If you've got to rewind the clock, uh, back to August 23rd, 2011, in the blink of an eye. At that time, he was 27 years old. 30 yards after crossing the finish line, his two-year-old quarter horse took a right turn. It was a horrendous incident where the 115-pound Gilliard was dislodged from his mount and uh, had so many injuries, uh, but the worst was the, the brain trauma that, that he had. Um, so many people just said it was one of the first, uh, one of the worst dumps they'd ever seen in their life. He sustained internal injuries, broken arm and leg, but it was the serious brain injury that really left him in critical condition for quite a time and gave cause for concern that he never really would make full recovery. Well, we got to see uh, that he did, in fact. He came back at Belterra Park. They had late quarter horse racing after their Sunday card for thoroughbreds. And he rode second in his very first race, and I got down to the paddock and got to talk to him. I'd never met him before, and just a, a class act. And uh, he talked about the time he spent in the re rehabilitation centers. Um, they moved him to a second one closer to his home in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, they didn't know if he'd ever ride again, and he didn't want to name names because he said there were so many people that helped me. Uh, I just have to thank them all. And, of course, riding is a gift from God, and I want to thank him the most. So, uh, Richard Gilliard, welcome back uh, to, to riding. Uh, I've got a lot of hits on different social network sites about his return uh, to riding. So, uh, Again, welcome back, a class act. Well, we uh, did concentrate on Kentucky Downs last week, and uh, who knows, maybe because of you listeners, they uh, had a record day, uh, the biggest in the track's history, all sources wagering on the 10 live races was a record $4.2 million that shattered the previous mark of 3.3 for the track. And uh, there's only one day left. Again, uh, we've had Corey Johnson, who heads up that track on the show many, many times and had described to you the European-style turf course. So glad they caught good weather and had some great racing. We'll go over some of the uh, races that I, I did handicap with Gary West. And uh, you got one more chance, September 24th, closing day. Uh, they've got two $200,000 stakes and an autograph session with Hall of Fame jockey Ron Turcott. 
and uh, that is the final day of racing down there. It's right on the border in Franklin, Kentucky, just 45 minutes north of Nashville. Last week's Jockey Guild Jockey of the Week was Julian Le Peru. Talking about Kentucky Downs, he brought home seven winners, which isn't easy to do on their limited uh, card. That's seven winners over two days. He won the three races on both Wednesday and Saturday, uh, strengthened his lead in the Kentucky Downs standings in both wins and earnings. And all seven wins, six seconds, four-thirds, earnings of 526000 The average payoff was $7.26. Uh, you may recall that... Julian was the nation's leading jockey in 2006 with 403 wins. That figure plus earnings of $12.4 million were the most ever for a single season by an apprentice jockey. He also uh, tied Pat Day's record of seven winners on a single card at Churchill Downs. Quite an accomplished reinsman. This year alone, his horses have won over $5 million. Well, we'll get into California Chrome, but he is ready for the Pennsylvania Derby. I had a chance to talk briefly to Art Sherman this week. Uh, he did get him over to the track for uh, this morning and uh, got him familiar with, with the paddock. Uh, he's going to uh, do a little gallop tomorrow to get even more uh, familiar but uh, he's certainly not going to be alone. Uh, Bayern is going to be in there. You know that he devastated the field in the Woody Stevens, uh, setting a track record at Belmont Park. Uh, then he won the Haskell. Uh, the mile and a quarter Travers, just a little too fast and a little too long, and he faded, but he's back, and anything out of the Baffert barn is dangerous. And, of course, again, I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, the grade one cotillion stakes, uh, has brought out some excellent horses in the last few years. Here, I'll spin some names you'll know. Arve de Grasse, Plum Pretty, My Miss Aurelio, and Close Hatches have all stood in the Parks' winner's circle on that day. So, uh, untappable. We'll see if it's her race to lose. Some new shooters in the race, and I'm dying to see who Michael Baychak, uh wants to pick in there. And also, we're going to be talking again to Jim Mulvihill, and they're going to be uh, covering the race on Comcast Sports Net uh, with my friend Joe Christofik, who's no stranger to the listeners here either. So uh, uh, that's a look at what's going to be coming up. The Derby winner returns. Let's hope he makes it back. And uh, we'll take a quick look at the NTRA Top Thoroughbred Poll. Wise Dan uh, stays on top over Shared Belief, California Chrome, Close Hatches, and It's My Lucky Day. They are the top five. Um, some news that's probably not good, you guys, like full fields. The North American full crop is expected to continue to decline in 2004. If the projections are correct, 2014 would mark the eighth straight years that the full crop was smaller than the preceding year's crop. It would also be the smallest group since 1968. Let's hope... Uh, some of the purses uh, that are being stimulated in the country will uh, turn some things around in, in that situation. So um, let's take a look at the races that we did cap last week with Gary West down at Kentucky Downs. The more than ready was won by his second pick, Regally Ready. Uh, horse uh, went off at even money and drew off in the, the stretch. Uh, he uh, defeated a field of nine, and it was the nine stormy going that ran second, and the seven our great adventure finished third. Uh, then we went to the Kentucky Downs Lady Sprint. 
the winner in there. Another one of Gary's picks, Richie's Party Girl. Again, a slight favorite, but when I talk slight, paid $10.60 to win. That's not bad for a slight favorite. Then the big one, the Kentucky Turf Cup, grade three, 600000 on the line. And the winner was Sun Tracer, who was last at the half-mile pole and just got up by a nose over 9-to-1 shot, Pyrite Mountain, who's also last. So these two just came storming from out of the clouds. Sun Tracer over Pyrite Mountain in the third spot was the favorite, War Dancer, horse with a lot of back class but didn't get the job done down at Kentucky Downs. And then the, uh, the ladies' turf uh, was won by Gary's top pick, I'm Already Sexy, wire-to-wire, which is hard to win at Kentucky Downs one off by three lengths. So they were the big races that we looked at at Kentucky Downs. There were some other uh, nice races over the weekend. I want to look at uh, the races in Canada. On Sunday, uh, you had the uh, Grade 2 Canadian. Uh, This one for the, the ladies. The winner in here, Deceptive Vision, a daughter of AP Indy, got the job done over Royal Fury, and Latia, and then a race that should probably have some impact on the Breeders' Cup, and that would be the Woodbine Mile. We didn't see Wise Dan in it this year, but we did see the British bred Trade Storm shipping in with Jamie Spencer bringing his own jockey in, rallied from 10th and just got up to win by a half a length over Kai again, who had some traffic problems again. I would have to say Trade Storm will be staying in the States and probably going to the Breeders' Cup. Jack Milton was the favorite in there. He favored, he faded rather, and uh, Bobby's Kitten got up for the third spot. So that's a look at some of the major races and the races we handicapped on winning ponies. So we're going to take a little bit of a break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking to uh, a very important person with the NTRA and a good personality, Jim Mulvihill from the NTRA. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neill. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, as I told you at the top of the show, with us in this segment was going to be Jim Mulvihill from the NTRA. Uh, formerly, he was working with the communications department at a, in a position I was in 27 years ago at the fairgrounds in New Orleans, and uh, now he's been starting there since 2014, July 15th. Seems like a lot's happened since then, and uh, luckily, he's been had the chance to move a little bit closer to my neck of the woods. He's down in Louisville. He's got an office in Lexington. And uh, if you're going to be dealing with the horse population, I don't think there's a better spot to be in the United States. Would you concur with me, Mr. Mulvihill? I absolutely would. Uh, That's part of the reason I'm so excited about uh, being a Kentuckian now is just being in the heart of horse country and learning more about what goes on on the farms and and meeting more of those people. You know, my, my whole career has been about racetracks and and that's that's my first love but uh spending as much time around the racetrack as i have i I never uh really got to the bottom of the the breeding industry and and you know i've been out at the sale a lot over the last week and meeting a lot of people there and and making some farm visits and it's uh, it's so fascinating and it's you know the one part of the business that i that i really felt like i i could use a, a more of an education and so hopefully I'll get it now because it's a really cool part of the business. You certainly will and I can tell you uh, the, the people down in the Lexington area are very gracious in, in opening their doors uh, to anybody particularly that's showing interest and in your spot uh, they can really help them uh, promote perhaps uh, their horses, their farm and uh, the industry in general. Well, um, just uh, uh, pulling up a uh, a uh, email you sent me today that was absolutely hilarious. Not the email, oh, no. but it was one, one part of the email that was absolutely great. Now, uh, obviously, one of the uh, things that you've helped uh, institute and coordinate is uh, America's Best Racing, and uh, there is a section in there as to uh, wise, wise, why Wise Dan is the most interesting horse in racing, kind of a spinoff of the, uh, the the beer commercial. Who came up with that idea? It was great. Oh, well, I, I certainly can't take any credit for that. Uh, all credit for that goes to the, the really the heart and soul of America's Best Racing is, uh, is two-pronged. It's Stephen Panis, who's our uh, Vice President of Communications, and Penelope Miller, who's the the senior digital manager for America's Best Racing. They they conceived the the Wise Band series and uh, actually wrote all the scripts for it. And uh, the first one came out this week. You can go see it on AmericasBestRacing.net. And uh, already people are are talking about it and and laughing hysterically over it. It's it's really a play off of the Dos Equis commercials with the most interesting man in the world, uh, who was at Saratoga this summer and a lot of. Photos of him hanging out at the races circulated on social media, and 
that's when Stephen Penelope had the the great idea to uh, play off of that and and position wise Dan is the most interesting horse in the world, which in a lot of ways he is and and also a little bit overshadowed by the three year olds this year I mean one because he was sick and hasn't made as many starts and and also the three year olds deservingly have have stepped up and been so prominent this year, but we can't forget that that wise dan is uh is one of the most interesting horses of our lifetime and and uh, I think this whole campaign is, is geared around raising awareness of the fact that we're lucky to have a horse like Wise Dan in our midst right now. Well, I did announce earlier on the show that, that I always read your NTRA uh, segment that he still is at the top of the charts. But I will say the people that, that did this spoof, and I really think our listeners should, it's not a spoof, but it, it, it's very funny, um, is uh, in one race I finished 11th. Just so I could do it. <laughs> yeah, just to see what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know they they really did a spot on job with it too. I mean, I hope everyone who who listens to this goes and checks it out on AmericasBestRacing.net because it's not only that the writing is funny, but it, it actually looks just like a Dos Equis commercial. It's got that uh, sort of uh, grainy uh, patina sort of feel to it, where where it's like this archival footage of the horse and, and then you've got that voiceover with the, that, that lovely exotic voice of, of the most interesting man. But in this case, uh, it's almost like you're, you're listening to the most interesting horse, his voice. So in any case, I hope everyone checks it out. It's very cool. And there'll be a new one every Wednesday for the next eight weeks. So, uh, many more wise Dan laughs to come. Well, you know, I been involved uh, with different segments of the NTRA since it began, years ago and the the whole goal is to broaden the spectrum uh, both uh, to the media and to the general public about uh, horse racing but you really do a, a fantastic job uh, i know eric wing handed the baton to you in mm-hmm. uh, your weekly teleconferences now it's not every week but when we lead up to uh, bigger races yep. the triple crown the breeders cup california chrome coming back um, you do an excellent job at corralling uh, some of the top people, whether they be uh, jockeys, owners, or, or, or trainers, to talk about that week's upcoming race. And without a doubt, I pick up either the Blood Horse or the Daily Racing form several days later, and, and I see quotes that were absolutely lifted you know, from that, which is what his intention was. Um, Absolutely. Great. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's just, it's a great concept. And I have to admit, I, I get a lot of ideas myself from listening to that. And so you guys do a great job of coordinating that. And I'm guessing you've had a lot of good cooperation because you've got nothing but the top people on those. Oh, well, well, first of all, I love hearing that it's been useful for you. I mean, it's really there for the media and especially the writers who, um, you know, in this day and age, it's not as easy for, for writers or any media types to travel to big races and, and be able to do the interviews that they need to do to do their job. So the, the whole point of the, of the teleconference is to, is to give everybody a chance to ask the questions that they want to ask. It's like having a press conference, but it's over the phone. So um, I'm glad to hear it's been useful. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it really happens because the, the horsemen have been so supportive of it. Uh, Joan Lawrence, who also works in the NTRA communications office, she usually lines up the guests and coordinates the program. And um, she's got such great contacts with all of the, the horsemen around the country. I, I mean, she's been in the business for, 
uh, you know, her entire adult life. So everybody knows Joan, and when she texts them and asks, they're always happy to do it, and they know that they know that we're trying to promote the sport. Um, you know, when the media come on and, and it's open to questions, there's free reign for them to ask whatever they want. But uh, we're always we're always respectful, and we want to focus on the horses, and um, and it's just about talking about the races and and trying to promote them. You know, not only for the horsemen, but for the racetracks and and for the fans. And we all know that it's hard for for racing to get a lot of great mainstream coverage these days. So uh, if we can help give more access to those star trainers that that not everyone can necessarily catch on the phone, then then that's what we're there to do. Yeah, Joan Joan does do a, a just a outstanding uh, job. And just so our listeners will understand that you kind of coordinate mm-hmm. with the these national uh, people of importance for these upcoming races, and then after you give a very nice introduction that kind of sets the the table, Jim, um, you open it up. And I mean, you know, yeah. I just see, you know, Jay Privman, you know, Jenny Reese, you know, some of the writers that I, you know, respect, uh, you know the most in this game are all on this conference call. What's great is, is 90% of the time they ask the question you were about to ask anyhow. So yeah. a guy like me doesn't have to jump in. I can just sit there and take notes or, or record it if I please. Yeah. A great example is this week. I mean, we had, we had three guests this week um, and we started with Ron Winchell, uh, who's, you know, Winchell thoroughbreds has tapature and untappable running on Saturday and Ron isn't a guy who's hard, who's easy to get in touch with because he's all over the world. He's an entrepreneur. Um, I, I haven't seen Ron give a lot of interviews this year, but he was willing to do this one, and everybody had a chance to ask their questions. Uh, and then we finished uh, with Art Sherman talking about California Chrome. That's always a treat as well. And, and one thing I'll tell your listeners, a little tip, is that uh, anybody who wants to listen to those conference calls can find them on the NTRA website, we have a section for the teleconferences where they're all archived, and there's transcripts where you can read them too. And we don't normally promote them because really they're for the media, um, and we want the media to use the quotes in their stories. So we don't go off, you know, sending a lot of links out and letting people know that they're there necessarily for the public. But I do know that a lot of fans who are aware of them will go there and, and check them out if they're really interested. So people are more than welcome to go access all of those teleconferences. They're usually every Tuesday for three months leading up to the Triple Crown and then two months leading up to the Breeders' Cup. So uh, there's a lot of great content there that fans don't typically see, but they're, they're welcome to access it if they know about it. And, and, Jim, in case anybody heard that and said, darn it, I didn't have my pen with me, tell them where they can go again because these conferences are really cool. Sure, that's, that's at ntra.com, and then uh, there isn't – there isn't an easy-to-remember URL to, to access it, but if you just go to ntra.com, there's a news and media section, and then under the news and media section, you'll find teleconferences. So uh, pretty easy to find once you go to ntra.com. Well, well, I've had a great time chatting with you right now. My producer tells me i got about two minutes left. Our <laughs> listeners okay. will get a chance to chat with you this weekend, won't they? That's right. Uh, I'm actually going to be... Uh, moderating uh, an online chat during the Pennsylvania Derby. Uh, it's actually not on national broadcast television aside from HRTV and TVG. So America's Best Racing is doing a live stream of the Comcast network broadcast that's going to be regional in Philadelphia. So that you can find at americasbestracing.net. And then right next to it, 
I'll be moderating a live chat, and I'm going to keep the conversation going just about uh, the horses, how they look on the track, uh, what people are, are thinking as far as betting goes. I'll take questions from people, and uh, we'll just be chatting online amongst ourselves uh, while we watch the broadcast uh, with Joe Christofek and, and Dick Girardi and Lafitte and Kai III from, uh, from the track. And again, if people go to America's Best Racing, they can listen to Dick Girardi and uh, Joe Christofek, uh, two uh, guys that have uh, been guests on Winning Ponies over the year. And uh, right now, they give a nice race analysis of, of who they like, so you can get the you can get the preview, and then you can actually you know tune in and get those guys uh, during the day. Uh, you, you've assembled a, a great staff to kind of. You know, highlight the fact that uh, California Chrome is going to be back at the races. He looks like he's training great. Art Sherman was talking uh, very confidently uh, in his portion of of your teleconference and uh, really looking forward to it. I mean, it's a great matchup. I have to admit, nobody's ducking them. You you got some nice horses in in Tapature and Bayern and Candy Boy uh, that are are not uh, not scared to get in the gate with them. And, of course, talking about the gate, he's not that crazy about drawing the one hole. So uh, hopefully... uh, uh, we, we won't know until uh, 5.40 Eastern time uh, how he handles the million-dollar Pennsylvania Derby. So, uh, Jim, anything else you think our, our breeders should know before I let you go? I've only got uh, about 30 seconds. No, we pretty much covered it all. I, I would just encourage everybody to, to visit the websites we talked about, americasbestracing.net and ntra.com. Lots of good information there. And then join me for the chat on Saturday for the Pennsylvania Derby. Uh, not only can you watch the live stream, but we'll also be talking uh, and taking questions and all that. And it's, it's really an outstanding card at Park, so we'll have plenty to talk about. Well, I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about down the road, uh, some of the lobbying efforts of the NTRA and some of the other mm. uh, innovative uh, things that uh, that you're coming up with. I know you guys have always c- continued to try to stay on the cutting edge, so uh, I would just tell our listeners here on Winning Ponies that it's probably not the last time they're going to hear the voice of Jim Mulville. Well, I certainly hope not. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and yeah, we got we got a lot going on at the NTRA, so maybe we'll talk more industry news uh, next time. Okay, well, uh, thanks again, and I'm so glad you're back in the area. I'm sure our paths will cross much more often now, Jim. Thanks for being with us. Oh, I'm Pony. sure I'll see you down on the rail at Keeneland very soon. You got it, brother. All right, Jim Mulvihill from the NTRA. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to one of the best handicappers in North America, Michael Bajak. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of the top handicappers in the United States, Michael Baychak. Luckily, he's been on the show on a regular basis, of course. Uh, back in 2012, he's the winner of the $1 million first place prize and the title of the NTRA Racing Form Handicapper of the Year. Uh, he's also been one of the key players and horse players uh, on Esquire Network. I hope you got a chance to watch that over the past season. So uh, with us right now, Michael Bachak, how are you, my friend? I'm good, John. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoy talking to you and your, your listeners. It's uh it's a little break in the action for my normal job, so I like I like to get on and talk horses anytime I can. Now, your normal job, for those that don't know, uh, kind of involves politics, if memory serves me well. It, it, it kind of does. We uh, yeah, we we do political consulting and political advertising for campaigns all over the country. We're involved in a couple of the biggest United States Senate races uh, in the country, as well as some races, uh, you know, other important races in kansas missouri maine uh you know so that's that's why i'm at the office late tonight and uh that's my normal job but uh i've always got time to talk horses well you know i before i got into this business i was in a very stressful job i won't go into but the best thing for me was weekends getting away from it because to spend four hours at the track and some of the preparation that goes into it, you're just able to block all that BS out, and you can just focus and spend your time on that. I really think it's good for the soul. It is. You know, I'm a little uh, different. I, I uh, you know, I, we work, we're kind of like uh, tax, uh, you know, attorneys or CPAs. You know, we cram a lot of work into like 60, 90 days. And then you get your mind clear of all that, and you can focus on horses. So I've done very well after the elections. And uh, you know, my mom says it's because of biorhythms are good that time. I don't know. But I think it's just more that, you know, I've done my work. I'm content. I've got a good, you know, some money in the bank. I'm, you know, so it kind of frees your mind up to, uh, to make decisions, you know, on horses that, you know, when you're handicapping and picking that you couldn't make when you're kind of under a little bit of stress, you know, so I'm just different that way. But, I, you know, I, I don't know that I can do it all year round, but I do know that I'm really good, you know, in that December, January period, uh, you know, so I'm looking forward to the December, January period this year for sure. And from what I understand, rumor has it that you have qualified to be out in Vegas again. Boy, yes, I did. I qualified uh, early this year, uh, you know, I think it was February or March, and 
it was just a big monkey off my back. It, it was a, it was very stressful uh, not to have qualified last year. Uh, you know, as an NHC champion, you get a free year, basically a free pass, one year, the following year, and then the next year, they throw you back into the into the group and say, <laughs> "Hey, you know, hope you make it. You're on your own." And uh, I didn't make it. And and you know, we had the television show shooting, which was you know stressful in itself, uh, the NHC championship. But the worst part of it, John, was that my brother, who I've taught to handicap, taught how to play contest. He qualified not only once, but he had two damn entries last year. So, <laughs> Rub your nose so, in it. It was sibling rivalry, you know, at its worst. I think that was actually the biggest stressful part of it. But I love my brother. He's a great handicapper. We we make a really good team uh, when we're when we're in contest together. Um, and uh, I couldn't have done it without him the first year that I won it. So. You know, hopefully now he's got to get qualified for this year, and uh, hopefully the Baychock brothers will be out there as a as a real team next year. There you go. I started going with my older brother Bob, and it was a a great lifelong experience uh, sharing uh, the, those experiences. There's nothing better when when you study apart and get together and find the out. You both came up with the same horse. Uh, that's always a good feeling. Yeah, and you know, I think uh, I don't know. I like to talk things out and and bounce things off and talk out loud, kind of sometimes. And you know, he'll he'll say, uh, you know, he doesn't get in the way of handicap, and I don't get in the way of his either. But it's just always nice to have just another little opinion that you trust to, to, you know, keep you in check or to reinforce your opinion. You know, it's just, you know, it's just nice to have that. And, of course, when you take a bad beat, it's always nice to have somebody say, hey, don't worry about it, you know. Because I think the emotional part and the psychological part of handicapping is, to me, it's as important as the technical part. You know, uh, we can we can let our brains get in the way of making so many bad decisions when we're in a bad frame of mind. Uh, you know, I know my, my good friend Christian Helmers on the show, um, you know, he does a lot of uh, weird things, um, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to tell you, you know, I respect not only his handicapping, but I respect the way that he, he accepts the psychological part of the game. And um, I really think that it's it, it it helps him handicap. It helps him be successful. And I think if more handicappers took, you know, maybe not drinking, you know, spinach juice um, or, or or hanging crystals around their neck, but if they <laughs> they paid more attention to the psychological part of of uh, handicapping, they'd be better. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to fight the psychology more than I'm trying to fight the the technology. Well, I just want to touch on this briefly because I think it's still a work in progress that may not be finished, but and I sure hope it isn't. But I really enjoyed uh, watching all the different teams and all the different people involved in horse players, and I know a lot of Winning Ponies listeners did too. Is there an outside chance that it might come back? Because I know the show was a long shot in the first place. It was a long shot, so it came in, you know, the first time, and uh, I would make it, you know, a long shot to come back for a second season. I don't think that uh, we're out of the game yet, but, it, you know, it's a network decision, you know, and, and Esquire has to figure out, do we fit in their, in their, in their scheme of things? And, uh, you know, is the money that they pay to produce it worth it? Do they get the return on the dollar? So uh, I appreciate your thoughts. I mean, I, I was proud of it. Um, it was kind of a change of pace, you know, being behind the camera, making ads, for people for so many years, and then I'm in front of the camera, 
um, it, it was definitely something that I needed to get used to. But I, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I think it was a great product. It showed, you know, the great tracks of our country, um, the pageantry, the horses. It treated, you know, the jockeys and the trainers and just everybody, the horse players, well. You know, it presented a nice, honest face on horse racing, and uh, I think that's what, you know, that that was good for for the industry. Well, uh, one of the things I guess that attracted me to it is the the characters that come to this game, and they came across the l- loud and clear in that show. Well, you know, you got Peter Rotundo there. I just got off the phone with Jim Mulvihill from the NTRA. Let's get some of these power brokers to see if they can't uh, dig in their jeans and pull out some greens and make that happen again. Yeah, we're working. You know, we're working on it. I mean, it's just uh, it's a dollars and cents game, and. Uh... You know, I hate tonight though that you got two Louisiana boys on your show. I don't know whether you're going to get a lot of uh, insight or, or, or you're going to get a lot of nonsense. But Jim's <laughs> a native New Orleanian, I think, and uh, you know I'm from Baton Rouge, so hopefully we can we pass along some 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 wisdom here, some Louisiana Cajun wisdom. And for a brief time, I was the PR director at the fairgrounds. That's right. So That's right. I enjoyed my brief time down there. Well, listen, uh, let's start with the headliner. Uh, that way, if time gets tight, we can not worry about the last couple of races. Uh, but the Pennsylvania Derby, sure. grade two, million dollars, uh, $200,000 bonus for the owner trainers. Obviously, uh, California Chrome got the target on his back. Talk with Art Sherman this week. He feels like this horse could not have been doing any better. The, the, the quarter, uh, crack, if if you want to call it that, the patch that had to be uh, put on after the Belmont Stakes totally healed up, and if anything, it may have been a a, 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 something that helped the horse because it forced them to go to downtime on the farm. I've talked with the people at Harris Farms. They just said it seemed to make him so happy and relaxed to be back on the farm, and now that I see he's spitting bullets at Los Alamitos, it'd be great if he came back uh, to be good when he reeled off those six straight wins, including three grade ones. But there's certainly some shooters in the field. There are some shooters. I, I uh, you know, I, I was one of the people that were betting against and were, were public, wrote a column about California Chrome, you know, was not going to win the Triple Crown. I hated to say that, but I just didn't feel like he, he, he was, you know, wor- not worthy, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to do it. And so, I, you know, I bet against him. Um, I, but, but this is a spot that, you know, he, he almost can't lose john i mean he is head and shoulders the best three-year-old so far uh until we get to shared belief um of the crop you know there's no doubt about that he's had the rest which is as you said extremely important i mean it's almost a blessing in disguise that he was put on the shelf because if they would have run him another time or two you know within six weeks of the belmont i'm, I'm worried about whether he would ever have run again i mean he had a very very difficult campaign now he's a you know obviously a hardy horse because he's run a lot for a you know a three-year-old at this time 13 starts is a lot but that's a tough campaign you know the derby the preakness and the belmont and we've seen so many horses that just don't you know that run in the belmont and we never see him again so i'm glad he got a little time off i don't know that he can be beaten in this spot i mean he is just you know if he's good if he's as good as he was which i he you know i think he probably is arts are great uh, trainer, uh, if the horse is doing well, he's probably not going to lose. But that being said, 
I'm not going to bet a horse that's you know four to five or three to five. I think there's another horse in here that I actually think is is who I've liked for a long time, and that's Tapature. Um, I think this horse is is could be really special. Um, I like that again that Asmussen kind of gave the horse some time off uh, after the Derby, um, ran him one time, and then gave him some more time. And uh, you know his last race, if you I think everybody saw it, um, you know he he got into a little bit of trouble. <laughs> And, and Rosie somehow got him up to win, and then the horses, uh, you know, Vickers in trouble was came behind him, and he came back to win the Super Derby. And I, I don't know what the ceiling is for this horse. He's, he's, you know, I think he's going to be very tough. But that being said, I think the California Chrome is going to win. Uh, as a gambler, as a better, I'm hoping the California Chrome wins by a large margin, so that when he comes into the Breeders' Cup. Uh, he's going to be a big favorite because I'll probably be betting against him, and, and uh, you know I want to I want to be able to bet against a big favorite. I don't think that a mile and a quarter, uh, despite the fact that he won the Derby, I don't think that a longer distance against really good, solid, quality older horses is going to be his his best game this year. So I'm hoping he wins. Uh, that's selfish, but I think uh, I think uh, Tapature is probably going to give him. You know all he wants, um, and then I would be willing to, you know, maybe back Tapature in in the, in the Breeders' Cup Classic, even off a of second place, a nice little finish, because I think this horse is just it can get even better. Well, you know, I, I'm with you. I mean, he's conditioned. He's 13 starts. He's had more than than, than anybody else. Uh, I I know he doesn't like to run inside horses. I'll be interesting to see if Victor takes him back because the two horses just to the outside of him don't exhibit a whole lot of speed in uh, Candy Boy and Protonico, who had a nice run in the Smarty Jones. But you know that Bayern and uh, CJ's awesome, uh, I think, are going to be out there wing-dinging it. I just I wonder if Victor's going to be able to put in one of his sensational rides where he's able to get him back, ease him out, and then find a spot where he, where he needs to go. It's, it's yeah. only an eight-horse field, so yeah. hopefully he won't have too much trouble. Sure looks like he's going to get a nice trip, as you just said. I mean, Bayern is going to the front. Um, he knows no other way, probably. CJ's awesome, likes to run up there. And so, he, and other than that, though, there's not really not any, you know, other kind of contending speed. He should be able to get a nice spot. And then if he's got it, he runs, he, you know, he tips him out and he wins or he doesn't. So I don't know that trip's going to be a big problem for him. Well, for racing's sake, I, I hope it, it gets done. Looks like we got seven more minutes to cover three races. Let's go right to the million-dollar cotillion. Obviously, the headliner in here, untappable. This seems like a perfect spot for her. I know they rolled the dice going against the boys, even though she was favored in, in the Haskell. Uh, did not get away. It just it seems like everything kind of went wrong. I don't know if we're making excuses for her. It's just that, hey, get back with the girls, and you're the best. I, I'm, I'm, I'm heavily against Untappable in this spot, and I've seen this a lot, of, not a lot, but a few times. I mean, there are very few horses that run as fast as Untappable did in the spring. Um, and since then, she's not run as fast. Now, that race, you know, the Mother Goose looks great because she won by nine, but it wasn't very fast. And, and then, and then her, her Haskell was even slower. And, you know, I'm just reminded of Rachel Alexandra when she ran those fast times, and then she just kind of figured out that, hey, you know what, I just don't want to run anymore. And I'm not, you know, I'm not willing to take a short price on the tappable uh, that she might not, that she just might be finished running, you know, until maybe next year. So I'm really against her, and I'm going to go deep, 
with long shots in this race uh, and hope that uh, I hit. I, I like, I've been a big fan of Cassatt, the one horse, since I saw her run at the fairgrounds. She looked really special that day. She's done nothing wrong since. She's a little bit slower than the rest, but she sure does have a lot of room to improve. And, and going longer, you know, going distance is, is probably her game. She looked really good winning the last race. She didn't beat anything, but she, she looked okay. Um, she's going to be a huge price. Um, I like little Alexis. I bet on her her first out. Um, that was a big price that day. She's actually done nothing wrong since. Um, she should, you know, I'm not sure the distance is right up her alley, but she's fast. She has talent. Um, she got into a little trouble in the last, and, and you know, like a, like a nice horse. I mean, she came through it, and she damn near won that race. So she's going to be a huge price. I like her. And then um, I guess the horse that I'm probably going to key on is uh, House Rules. Um, again, she, she, she's been laid off a little bit. She came back, and she just ran, I, I mean, a monster race to, to my eyes in the last. And uh, she gets Javier Castellano back. Uh, she likes the distance. She ran against all the nice three-year-old fillies in, in Florida she, and, uh, over the winter. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just think she, again, has some upside since she's been kind of laid off, and I think she's going to be a huge price. So the, those are the three that I'm going to key. Um, I really I kind of would be surprised if Untappable wins. Um, but, again, if she does, I'm going to be betting with both fists against her wherever she shows up on Breeders' Cup Day because I just don't think that uh, you can run that fast that early as a three-year-old filly and sustain it. I just, you know, it's, just, it's just not done. Oh, wow. Very interesting view on the race. Again, we're talking to Michael Baychak. Well, we're going to try to get in um, in the next couple of minutes, two more races. Of course, uh, the rounding out the graded stakes races at, at Parks on Saturday uh, will be the uh, the gallant Bob. Uh, the horse they're saying just seems to improve and improve and improve is out of a champion dreaming of Anna, and that is fast Anna. She's only had three career starts. Uh, just got nailed at seven furlongs in the grade one Kings Bishop, and uh, they're adding blinkers this race and turning back a furlong has been working well, uh, but th- there's definitely some other players in this race, too. Yeah, well, I mean, Fast Anna came out running fast and hadn't stopped yet, right? I mean, no one's gotten ahead of her uh, for, for the half mile of any race, uh, and only one horse has gotten ahead of her at the finish, and that was... Uh, uh, a really nice horse, and she beat Coupe de Grasse, who was a very nice horse. So uh, there's no knocks here. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, it, this would be strictly, I, I'm not going to take uh, a short price in a field that I think is kind of competitive. I mean, I don't think she, like, towers over the field. Um, so, I mean, I would, I'm probably going to end up playing, if I play the race at all, probably play pure sensation. I think we might get a little bit better than 4-1 to one here. I think uh, you know, he's back on what I probably is his preferred surface. Um, you know, Clement tried, tried him on turf and he won a race. So that might've been a, a stakes race for that matter. And that might've been a little confusing, but it wasn't that fast. And then he came back in another turf race and really didn't run very fast at all. But this horse is back on, um, dirt. Uh, and I, I think you get a nice little price. And then the horse I like probably underneath his favorite tail, um, who never really, you know, except for that one race at Belmont, you know, runs a nice race, uh, three for three at Parks. So you can't argue that the horse doesn't like the, the track at Parks. And, 
to get a nice little stalk and trip. But again, um, if someone said, Hey, you know, give me the winner. I just want the winner. I don't think there's, I can't find any reason to bet against fast Anna. Um, but I think the price is just probably not going to be eight to five, but if the price was eight or nine to five, I think that's probably fair. I think this horse is probably going to be more like even money, which might, you know, not as much value as, as you probably need. Well, yeah, and she says seems like, uh, as you said, nobody's been ahead of her at the half mile, and two of those were in forty-four and one. So she's definitely got some uh, some innate talent there uh, out of dreaming of Anna herself, a champion. It doesn't well, always work we, out that like does it uh, work out like that, does it, John? I mean, you you breed a champion and the mayor, and you think, okay, well, we'll get a champion, and this is one of those times where, uh, you know. There was a fast, you know, Dreaming of Anna was a, was a super horse, I, th- I thought. Um, and then here, you know, they, she, she's got her first. I think this is probably her, her first foal. I'm thinking um, so, yeah. Yeah, and, and this horse is just, you know, looks like a superstar. Well, again, she's only had three races, but it just seems like she's on the rise. And with her breeding, who knows, maybe uh, she can, uh, you know, go longer than yeah. what she has to in the six furlongs down the road. It'll be interesting to watch. Well, those were the key races at Parks Racing. Uh, we've got three minutes to, to break down a, a sprint over Belmont Park. Six and a half, kind of a, uh, a niche uh, distance. Uh, this is the Gallant Bloom, a grade two, 300,000. Going to be awful hard to beat the one horse, Artemis Agroterra, if I'm saying that right. Man, she had a breakout race in the ballerina. Not going to beat Artemis Argoterra. I mean, there's just, unless something goes wrong with the horse, there's, to me, there's just no way. I think this horse is a superstar. Um, she came out like, you know, the, the Anna horse we were talking about, running extremely fast. They threw her to the, to the you know, to the top horses at, at the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile, and she had a little bit of trouble, but not much. She just didn't run very well. Came back and ran a weird race, you know. You would think after the layoff that she would come back running, and she didn't. But she sure has come out running in the last two sprints, and maybe she just wants to sprint. You know, you just never – she didn't want to go, you know, long. I don't know. But, boy, she she uh, she sure can sprint. I don't I don't think they're going to beat her. Um, uh, you know, underneath, I guess I would probably be using classic point. Um, and, I, you know, I, I can't get past uh, Artemis Argoterra. I mean, I just don't – she looks pretty – Pretty quick. Now, now, where would they put her if she wins this race, John? Where where would she go? You think in the Breeders' Cup is is there still a Breeders' Cup Philly Sprint, or they still have that race? Uh, I am not a hundred percent sure. You know, I know if, she, if there's one that she'd have to run against the boys. I know they've done that in the past, and Phillies have won it. You know, there's there's one thing I've noticed, and I've only got a minute or so left, but this year. You know, when they took the race out to Santa Anita and they made those two-year-olds race off Lasix, yeah. um, you know, you can go back to Sweet Reason, who's in the Cotillion, right. who's turned into a very nice horse, winning $1.2 million. She was favored, ended up running fourth. Right. Then you look at Artemis Agritera. Uh, she was uh, just under four to one. Yeah. Ends up running fifth. It's amazing how many of the Phillies came out of this race, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly with no Lasix, and came back and had huge seasons this year. Right. Right, yeah, that 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 that's a crapshoot, isn't it? I mean, when they when they run it on Lasix, I, that was a, an experiment probably uh, gone wrong, I think, for 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 handicappers for sure. Uh, and and I, I, I'm thinking that this year 
they're back on, right? They're back on LASIK. Is that correct, I think? I, I believe so, yeah. and yeah. I think they want to get some of those East Coast horse back because I know a lot of them boycotted it just right. for that reason. Right. Well, I think, you know, she, this is a horse where if she comes out of this race, uh, you know, with the way I think she, she can uh, and should, she would be an extremely tough horse in the sprint, you know, in the, in the male sprint because she, she, she right. would get weight. Uh, and, uh, I mean, she's just fast. I mean, she's as fast as any of these horses that we just talked about over at uh, Parks, you know, who are some of the fastest sprinters in the country, um, you know, and those are males. So she's, uh, I, I think, very highly of her. And, you know, her 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 broodmare sire is AP Indy, so, I, you know, I don't know. She, she might could go long, you know. There could be some upside. Well, listen, I thank you so much. We've been talking with Michael Baychak, one of the – Top handicappers in North America. Thanks so much for spending the time with us on Winning Ponies. John, thanks for having me on. I really enjoy talking horses. Thank you. All right. There's one class act. We've got to close the show out. I'm overlooking the turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.